Today, I want to talk about uh, terms in our Freedom in Finance series. I want to talk about sowing seed. Uh, can we go to the next slide? Which is giving as an investment. Tithing is our 10% of everything that we, we are blessed by God and we give it because it's His. Offering is something that we bring to thank God. But today, I want to talk about how God's desire for us is not to give just because we're saying thank you, but actually there are benefits to giving and He sees it personally as an investment where we make. And I want to do all of this through the lens of the new covenant. We believe that we are here not because of our works and our merit and because we are great. We are here because God is good and his love is good and his forgiveness is great. And that's what we believe. And so if we go to the next slide, we had a look last week at uh, the Ten Commandments. If you were here, I'm sure you'll remember this. I'll have the same volunteer if he can come up again and do this for you. So these are, these are, the, these are, some, these are some commandments, letters written on stone. At this point, Sujith sticks a picture of the Ten Commandments on tablets of stone on Mark's back. Mark is standing with his back to the audience. And uh, so there they are. You, you know, these are these are the commandments that you're not supposed to have any other God and you're not supposed to make a graven image and you're not supposed to take the name of the Lord in vain and you have to keep the Sabbath holy and, and you have to honor your father and mother and don't kill and don't commit adultery and don't steal and don't bear false witness and don't covet. And, and this is good because these are letters in stone and this is something that God designed for us to have glory. And so if you go to the next slide, Paul is writing to the Corinthian church and says that the law was written in letters on stone. So here it is, stone letters and the law is written. Even though it was a way of serving God, it led to death. There's only one problem with this. Even though it was from God, even though it was a way of serving God, it didn't lead people into life. It led people into death. And there's lots of law in the Old Testament, but there's only one law that was written on stone and that were the Ten Commandments. That led to death. Even that way of serving God came with glory. So when it happened, oh my days, it was spectacular. It was glorious. There was the glory of God when the law was given. Even so, the people of Israel, that glory lasted only for a short time. Even though that glory was just for a short time, the people of Israel couldn't look at Moses' face very long. Since all this is true, all of this is true. This is the law. This is holy. It's glorious. It's a way of serving God. Moses' face was shining. All of this is true. But Paul says, if all of this is true, won't the work of the Holy Spirit be even more glorious? And that's why we focus not so much on the law, but on the person of the Holy Spirit. Not because this doesn't have glory, but we have been introduced to something that carries greater glory. That is the person of the Holy Spirit. The law condemns people to death. If the law that condemns people to death had glory, how much more glory does the work of the Spirit have? His work makes people right with God. If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? The purpose of the law was to condemn, but the purpose of the Holy Spirit was to bring righteousness. If this had glory, if this caused people to look at Moses' face and go, my days, you are shining. The Bible says, if you and I believe that the Holy Spirit is in us, then the glory we have is far greater than the glory they had. Because this Holy Spirit 
is not a contract, it's not a law, it's not a covenant that is written in stone. It's the person of the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, you're not having a relationship with a contract. You're having a relationship with a real person, a real person that you can talk to. And the person talks back to you. And you have friendship and you have relationship. And they go with you and talk with you and work with you. And so you've gone from one level of glory to another level of glory. And this level of glory, when you meet the person of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit does not bring you condemnation. The Holy Spirit convicts you of your righteousness. What is righteousness? Righteousness is not right doing. Righteousness is right being. And it's a gift that Jesus gave you and I because of the blood of Jesus was paid at the cross of Calvary. He purchased your righteousness so that your identity is no longer sinner saved by grace. Your identity now is I am a saint of God because of the gift of righteousness Jesus freely gave me. Freely. Freely, freely. The glory of the old covenant is nothing compared with the far greater glory of the new. The glory of the old lasts only for a short time. How much more greater is the glory of the new? It will last forever, forever, forever. This glory will last forever. So every person in here who is afraid, you know what? I'm going to have a season where my walk with God is good. And then I'm going to have a season where my walk with God is bad. And then I'm going to have a season with my walk with God is great. I'm going to have a season with... No, 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 no. That is the deception in your own mind. Today, renew your mind to understand this truth. The glory of the new covenant is not the glory of Moses that came and faded and came and faded. The glory of the new covenant has come to stay and it will last forever. 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 He will never leave you. And he will never forsake you. This is not something you dip into and dip, in, dip out of. In case you're using Facebook, I don't know. I don't use Facebook. I have a Facebook account, but I don't know if this is still true. But there's a place on Facebook where, 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 where you can like put your, your relationship status. Is that, still, is that still a thing? Okay. Okay. So you can go single or you can go married or you can go divorced. You can do all the things. And there's one, there's one option there. It's called, it's complicated. It, that's what it is. It's complicated. And uh, for a lot of people, for a lot of followers of Jesus Christ, your relationship with God is what? Complicated. Because you're in, you're not in. You're, maybe he likes you. Maybe he doesn't like you. Maybe today I have the glory. Maybe you don't have. That's what happens when you have a relationship with a contract. But when you have a relationship with a person who says he will never leave you, he will never forsake you, and it has come with far greater glory, and it's going to last forever, it's not a complicated relationship. It's a permanent one. A permanent one. And so, the Holy Spirit convicts you of righteousness. Everyone say righteousness. Righteousness, righteousness is, the, is, is your state of being where God sees you the way he sees Jesus. So if Jesus is holy, you are holy. If Jesus is righteous, you are righteous. If Jesus is loved, you are loved. If Jesus is forgiven, you are forgiven. If Jesus is spotless, you are spotless. As he is, so are you in the world. Now you see, that's a bit far-fetched for our minds to comprehend. Because even though we can hear that, our minds can go, oh, that's going to take a lot of time to absorb. 
And so all of our life, all we're doing is going from here to here, and we're letting our mind catch up with what we really are. Thank you, Mark. Our mind is playing catch up with what we really are. Your mind is playing catch up with the fact that you are the righteousness of God. So a few words about righteousness. Let's go to the next slide. I'm going to start with the, the fourth one. And then we'll work our way down from one to three. Can you read the fourth one of the screen at the count of three? One, two, three. I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the teachers of the religious law and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Do you know what the religious law were, teachers of the law were? Do you know who the Pharisees were? These were people who didn't make a single mistake. You know those ten commandments that we just read? They didn't break a single one of them. They kept every one of them. They were spotless. They, you couldn't fault them in any way. In fact, some of them could recite the first five books of the Bible by heart. I mean, they knew the contract from beginning to end, small print and everything. They could say it front to back, back to front. They could quote it for you. And Jesus says, unless your righteousness is one better than that, there's no hope for you. So hands up if you feel hopeful this morning. Because if that's God's demand of you, you and I have no hope. That's why righteousness can never be earned. Righteousness can never be worked for. Righteousness can never be earned because of your fasting, your praying, your tithing, your offering. Righteousness can only be yours if it is a free gift given to you because of the spotless life and work and death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. That's why righteousness is not a doing. It is a gift given freely to everybody who has faith. So your righteousness, unless it exceeds the people who have kept the law perfectly, you and I have no hope. That's why my only hope is Jesus. That is why my hope is built on nothing less other than Jesus' blood and righteousness. That's why all other ground is sinking sand. That's why the only hope for you and I is the fact that the blood of Jesus is pure. The blood of Jesus is spotless and his righteousness is enough. Now if that is true... I want to look at the first three things that, you know, the Bible talks a lot of righteousness, a lot about righteousness. I want to talk just the first three things you see here on the screen. The first one says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. By craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. But you, man of God, flee from these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Mark, can I have you up again, please? I'll be good. So we're told you can face me now. Sujith sticks a label on Mark's chest saying, run away. Mark is standing on stage right. We're told we're supposed to run away from certain things. Run away. Run away. Love of money is the root of all evil. By craving it, some have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many sorrow. But you, man of God, flee. Everyone say flee. Means run away. So I'm supposed to run away from this. What am I running to? Josh, can I have you up, mate? Sujith sticks a label on Josh's chest saying righteousness. Josh is standing on stage left. I'm supposed to run and pursue righteousness. So how do I do that? How do I run away from this? And how do I pursue this? Because that's what I'm told. 
That if I am in a place where I love money, that I'm going to wander off from faith, that I'm going to pierce myself with many sorrows, why would I want that life? Can you imagine somebody coming to me and say, hey, listen, I've, I've done a diagnosis on your son. He's four years old. Just want to let you know he's going to wander away from the faith and he's going to pierce himself with many sorrows. Do you think at that moment I'm going to go, woo? I'd be like, Judah, run away. Flee. What? Oh, okay, dad, if I run away, where should I run to? Righteousness. So, so how, do I, how, do I, how, how do I do that? How do I run away from all of this? And how do I pursue righteousness? Look at the next one. Don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat and what will we drink and what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. So unbelievers like Mark, that's all they think about. What am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? What am I going to wear? How's it going to happen? Like, you look, you open his brain up and that's all he thinks about. What am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? What am I going to wear? <laughs> These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father knows all these things, all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and what? His righteousness. So I'm supposed to not only just run away from that, I'm supposed to run away from this too and come to what? Righteousness. How do I do that? Because I want to think about what I want to eat. I want to wear and what I want to drink. And, and sometimes those thoughts dominate my own headspace. And so how, how, do, how do I run away from that and see God and his righteousness? How? Look at the third verse. For the sin of one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. So if I pursue this, and if I receive more of Josh, and if I don't have much to do with Mark, and I just go, no, no, I don't want you in my life. I don't want you in my life. I want, I want Josh. I want righteousness. This is what I want. If I keep getting more of this, then the Bible says, if, I, if, if Adam's sin caused everybody to die, now because of Jesus and his gift of righteousness, if I receive it, I will triumph over sin and death and I will reign in life. That's a good deal. How do I do that? So, so let's just have a recap. Let's go to the next slide. I'm just going to summarize this. So righteousness is not right doing. It's right being. It, it keeps you wandering from the faith and keeps you in the faith. It, it keeps you from piercing yourself with many sorrows because why would I want a life where I'm always pierced by sorrows? It, it causes everything you need to be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything gets added to you. And it causes you to triumph over sin and death. Imagine with me for a moment. I'm at home and I'm chilling, just watching TV. There's a knock on the door and it's a cold call. It's a mark. Somebody who's come to do marketing. They've got a leaflet in their hands. And they say, hey, are you, um, are you the house owner? I say, yes. What can I do for you? And they say, listen, I hear you've got a four-year-old in the house. I said, yes. I said, well, we have a product here we're selling. And uh, the fact is, uh, it's, it's actually free. Uh, all you've got to do is just receive it. I'll say, okay, what's the product? Well, 
here's the product. If you have a four-year-old son, if you receive this product, it will cause your son to keep the faith. It will cause your son to escape from piercing sorrows. It will cause your son to have everything he needs added to him. And it will cause your son to triumph over sin and death. At that moment, what do you think I'll do? If I say, oh, no, mate, that's a bad product. There's something wrong with me. Now imagine if that person who knocked on the door is Jesus. And Jesus is coming to you and say, this is free. All you've got to do is receive it. If you will receive the righteousness of God, you will keep yourself from wandering from the faith, from piercing yourself with many sorrows. You will cause everything you need to be added to you. You will cause you to triumph over sin and death. This is the kind of life you can have. Now imagine I'm looking at my son and going, ah, I don't want that life for him. I mean, how evil should your heart be if you don't want that for another person? How evil should your heart be? Or how evil should my heart be as a dad if I'm looking at my son and going, I don't want that life for him. Do you know what? I'd love for him to wander from the faith. I'd love for him to pierce himself with many sorrows. I'd love for everything he needs not to be added to him. I'd love for him to actually be, be weighed down by sin and death. Why would I want that? Of course I'd want my son to pursue righteousness. What does any of this have to do with money? I'm glad you asked. What, is, what are we talking about? Because you see, this is the new covenant that Jesus has become our righteousness. And if we were to draw a big, a big, a big, look at that screen. Can you imagine the size of that screen? Imagine with me for a moment the size of that screen. Imagine that was the righteousness of God. Let me ask you a question. How big is the grace of God? It's infinite. How big is the love of God? It's infinite. How big is the mercy of God? It's infinite. In other words, everything about God is not finite. It's infinite. So here's my question. How big is the righteousness of God? It's infinite. So your mind has to catch up with the infinite grace of God. And your mind and my mind at the moment, even though the infinite grace of God is that big, if you look at a spot, a dot on that screen, that's how much of a revelation our mind currently has with how great His righteousness is. Because our mind is just playing catch up to how wonderful God is. And I want to run away from this as much as possible. I want to pursue this with all my life because if those are the benefits of this life, why would I not want to do it? Look at the next slide. Paul is writing to a church in Corinth and he says these words. I really don't need to write to you about this ministry of giving for the believers in Jerusalem. So I, wanna, I want us to, to, to imagine this front row here is Jerusalem, the believers in Jerusalem, there's Dave and Josie and Steve and Shane and Claudette and Sue, all these people are believers in Jerusalem. And he's writing the church in Corinth and says, I, want, I don't need to write to you about the ministry of giving to the believers. I know how eager you are to help and I've been boasting to the churches in Macedonia that you in Greece are ready to send an offering a year ago. So this here is the churches in Macedonia. And, and, I'm, and Paul is saying, I was at this church, you know, I was at this church, 
And all I could do was keep talking about those guys. And they, oh, they're ready to give. They're ready to give. They want to bring an offering. Those guys over there in Greece, they are amazing. They're just ready to give. And I've just been boasting to this church about that church. In fact, it was your enthusiasm that stirred up many Macedonian believers to begin giving. In other words, these guys were just giving and giving and giving. Not only were they giving, they were enthusiastic about their giving. So when, it, when people saw their enthusiasm in giving, every, the other church said, Oh, we want to give too. We want to live the way they live. We want to give the way they give. And Paul says, that's what I've been doing. But I'm sending these brothers to make sure you are really ready. As I've been telling them that your money is all collected. I don't want to be wrong in my boasting about you. We would be embarrassed, not to mention your own embarrassment, if, my, if some Macedonian believers came with me and found you weren't ready after all, I told them. Paul is saying, guys, I'm just writing to you from here. So I want you to know, wherever I go, I boast about you guys. And when I open my mouth... All I tell them is she's so enthusiastic about giving. So, so this is what we're going to do. We're going to come pay you a visit. And before we pay you a visit, I'm sending some of my brothers to you to let you know that this is what I've been doing. Talking to everybody about how you guys live. And when they get there, I don't want to be embarrassed because I don't want them to get there and go, Paul, what are you talking about? You said these guys were givers. They don't give a thing. You said they were enthusiastic in their giving. You look at their faces. You don't know whether there's enthusiasm or not. I don't want to be embarrassed. And I don't want you to be embarrassed. This is what I've been telling everybody about you. If some Macedonian believers came with me and found that you weren't ready, after all, I had told them. I just, I, I've even told them that your money is already collected. So I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure your promise is ready. But I want it to be a willing gift, not one given grudgingly. What is the point? I'm sure many people at that moment when they were reading the letter of Paul were asking, Paul, get to the point. So he says these words. My point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give, not may or may not give. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So you see, now we don't give by, by compulsion. We don't give by going, you've got to give, you've got to give, you've got to give, you've got to give. Because now righteousness is a matter of the heart. Decisions are not made according to the contract. Decisions are made in the heart. Each one of you must give according to what you've decided in your heart. You must give. Not may or may not. You must give. But not under compulsion because God loves a cheerful giver. Because you see, righteousness has to manifest in joy. You can say you believe in Jesus and you have the righteousness of God, but if there is no joy in your life, I wonder what kind of gospel you've believed. Because righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, that's the kingdom of God. What's his point? And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, 
you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely and he has given to the poor. Watch this. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread to the food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of what? Your righteousness. In other words, giving is an investment for you to activate the righteousness God has already given you. You are harvesting your righteousness. And, and that's why if anybody, first of all, comes to Jesus and puts their trust in Jesus, you know what I'm going to teach them first? Give. Give. Because the righteousness of God that is able to cause everything to abound to you, all grace to abound to you, having all sufficiency in all things. For the first time, Paul compares money to somebody who is sowing a seed, to a farmer who is sowing seed. And he says, if you will sow that seed, you will increase your store of righteousness. Righteousness. You see, giving is a way of your own investment into reigning in life because your mind becomes more and more aware of the revelation that you are righteous. Like I said, the righteousness of God is unending like the love of God. And at the moment, your brain and my brain, your mind and my mind is like having a dot. And there are times when I get stuck and I go, do you know what? I would want to reign in life. I want all things added to me. And I take a moment to give because giving is an investment that unlocks the manifestation of God's righteousness I've already received. And one of the saddest things I have observed is people who are believing in the righteousness of God, believing in the goodness of God, but they don't see the fruit of that righteousness in their own life. Because you see, truth has three levels. First level is knowing truth. You know it. You can know 2 Corinthians 9, 1 to 10. You can say it by heart. The second level is revelation. You get what the Holy Spirit is speaking through that text to you. But I don't want to live at level one or level two. I want to live at level three. You know what level three is? Manifestation. That means everything that I'm hearing and reading can be seen as fruit in my life. Do you not want to live that way? Do you not want the righteousness of God to manifest in your life? So what are we saying? Look at the next slide. We've added a few more things. Righteousness is not right doing, it is right being. It keeps you wandering from the faith. I want to run away from that. I want to come to righteousness. It keeps me from piercing yourself with many sorrows. It causes everything you need to be added to you. It causes you to triumph over sin and death. And the next three is what we've just read. It makes all grace abound to you. All sufficiency in all things at all times. You abound in every good work. Paul is saying, this is the kind of life you're supposed to live. Your righteousness is supposed to endure forever. So if you will look at giving to believers in Jerusalem as a seed you're sowing, I want you to know you will increase your harvest of righteousness. Because you see, your giving does something to your heart that makes you run away from your works. It's my work. It's my work. Every person here who is a dad or a mom, wouldn't you want that life for your children? Wouldn't you want 
Wouldn't I want Judah to go? Do you know what? God, I'd love for his, his life to have all grace abounding to him at all times, having all sufficiency in all things at all times to abound in every good work. Why would I not want that? And I said in week one, we looked at tithing through the lens of the new covenant. Week two, we looked at an offering. But week three, we're looking at sowing seed. In other words, Jesus is saying that one of the ways to activate righteousness, one of the ways to manifest the righteousness you've already received, one of the ways you express the righteousness that is given to you as free gift is to make sure that your internal conviction matches up with your external actions. So from the heart, make a decision cheerfully to give. And when you give, remember, it's like a farmer sowing seed and when you sow seed it's not like you're twisting God's arm to say look he gave 10 quid I better give him back 20 quid no 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 no. God is not a person that you can you can twist your his arm to, to to in order to get to bless you that's not the point the point is this you have the righteousness of God and at the moment your mind only has a small revelation of the infinite righteousness of God and if you will be able to grasp all of the righteousness if you will truly know that you are in this world as Christ is then you will reign in life and you will abound in every good work and you will have all grace at all times for everything why would you not want that life so activate your righteousness let it manifest sow seed so that your heart can run away from this so when people look at you they can tell who your friend is not friends with Mark anymore I like hanging out with Josh, because when I'm with this guy... Sujith moves across to Mark, who has a picture of the law on his back. He just reminds me of my contract all the time. What does the word say? What does the contract 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 say? You see, that's why I have a contract with EE and I have a contract with O2. I don't have a relationship with them. I have a contract with them. And when I'm with this guy, I'm often wandering away from the faith. When I'm with this guy, I'm piercing myself with sorrows. When I'm with this guy, all I can think of, what am we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? What's it going to have? Where are the bills going to come from? Oh, God, Jesus, nothing's really changed in my life. Oh, I, I, I'm not really doing anything in life. Everybody else's life is moving forward and I'm just stuck. God, what is wrong with me? Maybe I should look inside. Maybe it's sin. Maybe it's my father's sin. What is wrong? Why would you want it for a friend? Why? Sujith moves across to Josh, who has the word righteous across his chest. You come hang out with this guy and he's like, you're righteous. I see you the way I see my son. You are loved. You're accepted. And in the soil of affirmation and righteousness, all grace that you need at all times will abound to you all times so that you can abound in all good work. Wouldn't you want that life? Wouldn't you want to live that way? Wouldn't you want to marry that way? Wouldn't you want to go to work that way? Why not? Well, then invest in yourself and sow a seed so that you can harvest righteousness. Thank you, guys. Come on, give them a hand. They've stood for a long time. <laughs> Having said that, I just want to say to you, this guy here, who was representing the ministry of death, the law, manifest the righteousness of God more than anyone I know. So, Mark, thank you for letting me pick on you. In case you're wondering, oh, I better stay away from Mark during coffee time. That was just an example. He's actually a good guy.
Can we go to the next slide, please? I read this last week and I want to read it again. Now we're discharged from the law. Mark, you and I do not have a relationship. We are done. It's no longer, it's complicated. It's no longer, I like you, you don't like me. No, no, no. We, you and I, terminated. This contract is done. I am discharged from the law and having terminated all intercourse, I have died to what restrained me and held me captive. That was your job. You restrained me and you held me captive. So now we serve not under the obedience to a contract, an old code of written regulations, but the obedience of the promptings of the Spirit in the newness of life. So now I don't go, I'm supposed to give, I'm supposed to give, I'm supposed to give, I'm supposed to give. If I don't give, Mark's going to be angry. What should I give? Now, now, now I'm prompted. Hey, Josh, I want to sow into my future. I want to harvest righteousness. I want to have all grace abound at all times. I want to reign over sin and death. What do you think I should give? Because it's a decision of the heart. It's a prompting of the spirit. You're not being forced from the outside. You're making the decision from the inside out. And do you know what? Some of you are struggling because instead of reigning in life, life is reigning over you. I wonder whether the key to your breakthrough is giving. Because there are times I have given and got my breakthrough. There are times I have given and got through the other side of a bad season. There are times I've given and when I found myself wandering off the faith, I have come back to being solid in my faith in Jesus. Because you see, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, your heart follows treasure. So where do you want your heart to be? Well, if your heart wants to be in the kingdom of God, put your treasure there because your heart will come back there. There are times I've gone through sorrow and I've seen my way to the other side through giving. There are times when I thought, oh, this is bad news. I need to overcome this and I need to reign over this thing in life and I've given. Why? I'm not trying to twist God's arm to bless me. He's already blessed me. What I am doing is making sure that my heart manifests everything he's already given. That I activate everything that's already mine. That I harvest everything. That is already mine. So you see, Peter here has a farm. But I can't harvest what grows on his farm, even though there is fruit on his farm, because it's not mine, you see. The only way I can access it is if he gives me permission to access what's already existing. And I wonder whether you and I want to access what already exists. And one of the ways to access what already exists in the realm of God and in the realm of the unseen is through by sowing seed. Looking at money not as something to give away, but as an investment you're making for your own life. My son's not old enough to read, but I'll teach him giving before he can read the Bible. My son is not enough to, old enough to really to understand how to pray and how to pray long prayers or even have a relationship with God. But I'll teach him giving. Do you know why? Because these are principles you can teach your children so that when they grow up, they will know how to activate and manifest everything God has for them. 
Wouldn't you want that for you? Wouldn't you want that for your children? Why would you not want to access and activate everything that you have? Why, why be stuck at level one with information? Why be stuck at level two with revelation? Why not go into level three where you're manifesting everything God has spoken to you? Maybe you're looking at yourself and going, God, I understand the promises of God in my life and I understand your Holy Spirit has been speaking to me. I've got revelation, but I can't see the manifestation. I can't see the fruit of that in my life. For some of you, listen to the promptings of the Spirit. Listen to that inner voice. For some of you, God will challenge you to say, Hey, listen, if you want to see breakthrough in that area, move, give, obey, and you will see breakthrough. Because everything about the new covenant and the new kingdom of God, it happens in the heart, and you have to manifest it by moving. That's why the Bible says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. So it's not just about believing. You've got to activate what you've believed. That's why we baptize people. Because even though we know that Jesus died and you died with him. And Jesus rose and you rose with him. Well, you believe that. So why do we baptize people? Because everything about the kingdom of God, whatever you believe, you've got to activate by some form of action that represents your faith. You believe that you can harvest righteousness. Do you know what's the action that activates that faith? It's sowing seed. So when you come on a Sunday and there are envelopes on your chairs and, 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 and pens around and, and we say it's time to give. Remember, it's not just time to bring a tithe to say this is yours, God. It's not just time to say, Jesus, we honor you because your name is great. It's an investment opportunity into your own life to sow seed so you can harvest righteousness. Can we go back two slides? I want us to read the, the part in the bold all together at the count of three. Shall we do that? The part in bold all together at the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all all times you may abound in every good work as it is written he has distributed freely he has given to the poor his righteousness endures forever he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness every time we come to December and we're about to go into a new year. It's one of the prayers I pray for the new year. I say, God, this year I want to sow more than I've sown last year. Because if you promise that you can multiply my seed for sowing, you can multiply my harvest, then I want to live in a place where I'm not just setting new year goals for how much weight I want to lose and how many places I want to travel and how many people I want to meet. I want to set goals for the multiplication of my seed because God said he's able to multiply your seed. I want to ask you a question. Will you believe today that Jesus is able to multiply your seed? Not because he needs your money, but because you need righteousness. 
Not because he needs your money, but because you need to manifest everything that the righteousness of Jesus has done for you. Sowing is your investment to you. Not for me, not for anyone here. It's your investment. And I want to prophetically believe over Beacon Church that we will sow and God is able to multiply our seed for sowing to increase our harvest of righteousness. Everyone say after me, say, I am righteous. Come on, say, say, I am righteous. That's you, you are. Jesus has made you righteous. Now manifest it. Begin to experience it. Begin to live out the fruit of it. Make sure that everything that Jesus has already paid for you is activated. Why wouldn't you want that life? And like I said earlier, how evil should your heart be if you looked at somebody and said, Oh, I don't want that life for you. I better not talk about money. I better not talk about giving. I better, what if they feel bad? That's because you don't know how much of an investment it is to cause your heart to enlarge so your seed is enlarged so that your harvest is enlarged. Close your eyes with me for a moment and let's pray. I want to believe that a Beacon Church, we want to be sowers into the kingdom of God. That we just don't want to talk about it but we want people in our world who are checking up on us and saying, hey, listen, I want to just talk to you. Can you journey something with me? I want to set some goals for my giving. I want, to, I want to multiply my seed. I want to see an increase of my harvest in righteousness. Father God, we're grateful. And we're grateful that we are givers. We're grateful that we're generous people. But we're grateful, Lord Jesus, for the gift of Jesus Christ, your son, who gave his life for us and we're grateful that everything you've given for us is gift we didn't earn it we don't deserve it it's just gift and today I pray in Jesus name that there will be breakthrough that happens through giving that there will be a reigning over sin that happens through giving not so much because giving is buying it but giving releases the experience of righteousness. Thank you that as you are right now, we are in the world. We are forgiven. We are loved. We are completely accepted. We are not the product of our own effort. We are the product of grace. And Lord, I want to say, I want to see all grace abound at all times in all things, having all sufficiency for every good work. Let that be said about us. Let that be said about us. For every person at the sound of my voice, let it be said about them. Oh, this person, they have all grace at all times, having all sufficiency in all things and everything they touch in every good work, they just abound in it. They just abound in it. Quiet in your hearts a moment. And for a moment, don't listen to my voice. Listen to the inner promptings of the Holy Spirit. Because now we obey, not from the outside in. Now we obey from the inside out. Have a conversation with you and God. Say, Holy Spirit, speak to my heart. Should I be sowing seed? Activate and manifest the infinite righteousness you've given.
I want to abound in all things. Some of you today are saying, I don't feel like I abound in every good work. Every time I try and do something, I find it a struggle. I don't find I have all grace at all times. I find it a struggle. Or maybe the Holy Spirit will speak to your heart and, and talk about sowing seed so that you can expand and increase your harvest of righteousness. Father, I pray in Jesus' name at this moment, you'll talk to our hearts. You'll talk to our hearts. You'll talk to our hearts. Holy Spirit, come have a conversation only you can have. We don't just want to have a revelation of your righteousness. We want to see the experience of righteousness played out in our life. We want to see all grace abounding at all times in our lives. Lord, we believe you are good, but there are many things in our own life we look at and we go, well, I can't see grace manifesting there. Father, if the key is sowing seed, I pray your spirit will speak to hearts right now. I rebuke every religious spirit associated with the topic of money and I reject it in Jesus' name. We will not have evil hearts where we do not have people reigning in life. Lord, for every person who believes in Jesus who comes to this church, we want them to abound in everything, have all grace at all times, in every good work, they will be above and not below. We want to see them access all of the righteousness Christ has for them. Father, unlock, unlock miracles today. Unlock miracles today. Unlock miracles today. I prophesy movement. I prophesy harvest. I prophesy grace. I prophesy life. I prophesy excitement. I prophesy enthusiasm. I prophesy reigning over sin. I prophesy addictions broken. I prophesy life being restored where there is darkness. I prophesy your goodness to invade every part of every life because you are good. You are good. You are good. 